You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jen Wilkin and JT English. On today's episode, we're joined by our good friend, Elizabeth Woodson. We compare notes on who has their appendix out, and we also wrap up the discussion on 2 Samuel, ending in 2 Samuel 24, when David takes a census. I got to tell you, I felt like um, I had a ton of questions going into this podcast about why and how 2 Samuel 24 is where it is, and it ends the book, and it was really a fruitful discussion, so we hope you enjoy guys we did it we're at the very end of second samuel <laughs> well first and second samuel because it's one book right it's there is no there's no second samuel there's no such mm-hmm. thing as second samuel mm-hmm. um uh we're, we're we're at the end of second samuel and i've got to tell you I, for one, am grateful. <laughs> You're awful. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just like, um, can, I, can I tell people where we're going next year? Is that, yeah. Oh, great. So for the book arc next year, we're going to be doing Acts. Mm-hmm. And I bet that'll take us. Are you doing Acts in two parts? Yeah. Great. So we'll do Acts in two parts. We'll follow along like we've done with First and Second Samuel. I got to tell you, I am ready to ready. be out yes. of Second Samuel. Is Mosaic going to do Acts? No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we're doing we're doing Ephesians. Well, one through three, because no one's ever studied the book of. Don't oh. know what I knew. I knew that's why. <laughs> I, you know what? My, one of my staffers, Anthony, she said, "Don't tell Jim we're doing Ephesians because mm-hmm. she's going to throw shade at you." And she was absolutely yeah. right. I've withheld that. You're my friend, and I'm not so comfortable. Oh, let's talk about what you just studied. Yeah, well, I mean, Kyle, we need to do talk about this for a second. I love if I mean, nobody. No, in this what part. did they just finish? We didn't finish Ephesians. I know. Oh, we finished. Uh, Jude. Jude. It doesn't even have chapters. Oh. True. It's true. We did Philemon and then we did Jude. Why are you doing Ephesians? Why are we doing Ephesians? (laughs) Do you really think that your church, like the population there, has like a deep need for Ephesians? Like they've never studied it before? Well, JT, let me ask you a counter question. Is all scripture inspired by God? (laughs) (laughs) Of course it is. I knew that was coming. But you know what else is? Acts. Uh, Yeah. Well, then you guys can do Acts and you guys can come down and tell us why Acts is great. Who who do you think has studied, have they studied Acts or Ephesians more? Well, we did well, they probably he knows. He knows the answer. <laughs> but but here's the deal. Ephesians, though, I promised them when we were... Jude was weird, y'all. So strange. I told them, guys, in the fall, we're going to do something that is How not weird. How many weeks did y'all spend in Jude? 14. Uh, six weeks. One. It was forever. And oh, people, would, people would be like... Uh, somebody was like, why is the study guide for Jude so strange? Because Jude is weird. Mm-hmm. It's a weird mm-hmm. book. Well, you deserve it because you were looking to dodge the long books. You and so and then you got sucker punched. Well, I, we were, I, I'm telling you, I wasn't going to kick off. Somebody's coming with heat. Yes, yeah, she is. And on the air. So I appreciate that. Uh, people at Mosaic are like, why are you defying Jen Wilkin, yeah. the Bible study maven? But I am. You've done it two years in a row now. And I'm going to keep doing it. What book are you doing two years from now? Because I'm going to go and plan okay, to not do that one. that's actually a big question we yeah. were talking about because you get to the end of First and Second Samuel and you're just <clears> like, but what happens <throat> next, right? <laughs> JT. And JT's like, I'll tell you what happens next, the book of Isaiah, which makes no sense whatsoever. And I'm like, no, we need to do First and Second Kings, except there is no First and Second Kings 
There's just kings. Oh my gosh. That li- okay, so that means I have to be done host. I gotta be done being a host on this podcast by the end of next year. By this time next year, this is this episode's gonna be like, yo, hey, thank you. It's been real fun. You loved it. You know what? It was uh the story is there's definitely some interesting parts. Like I'm like I'm present I'm, present selection for this <laughs> this episode accepted. Yeah, I was uh yeah, I was uh we were talking about doing a best of episode that like has stuff from this past season of Knowing Faith and I was going back and listening to some of the second Samuel and first Samuel stuff and there's some good clips but um, yeah I'm yeah I'm ready to be done so this is like I might crack a bottle of champagne on the mm. studio bay on the back wow like, I might crack a bottle of champagne over your little bald head oh, oh. <laughs> Y'all have gotten a lot more feisty. No, no, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I gotta be straight with you. I do not know what happened between the last, the last podcast we recorded and this one because Jen is coming in, ready to go. So All right. Well, we're almost four minutes in, so it's time I to get kill it. the banter. Uh, yeah, no, I get it. Jen keeps looking at the clock. We're done. Jen is coming. In. No, we are. We, we, we are done. I don't know that I want to banter with you Let's anymore, go. Jen. Wilkins. Let's go. Okay. Okay. We're at the end of Second Samuel. What's the story so far? Here we are. We're in Second Samuel, kind of focusing on chapter twenty-four, talking about. King David can count. Oh, also, we didn't do this. Elizabeth Woodson's in the room. Hey, friends. Hey, Elizabeth. Glad you're here. Thanks. Okay, what's the story by the time we get to 2 Samuel 24? Just give us the recap. Where do we find ourselves at? Bullet points. Bullet points. So we've got the beginning of 2 Samuel. Saul and Jonathan have died, and so David spends his time uniting the northern and southern kingdom. You have the ark brought back to Jerusalem, the Davidic covenant, and then David extends his kingdom by winning victories against those in the surrounding kingdom. You have the situation with Bathsheba, and then David's son Amnon rapes Tamar, and then Absalom kills Amnon. You have this whole big situation with the family, um, conflict between Absalom and David, and then that ends with Absalom being killed by Joab. And so we've reached the end of a book, um, really, where we've seen the sin of David and how it's just filtered through with his entire family. And so in chapters 21 through 24, the chronology actually ends in chapter 20. Um, And so 21 through 24 seem kind of random because they're just different stories that the author has chosen to create this epilogue um, to recount David's career. And the major aspects of just his life and just bringing the theme back to who God is um, and the point of the book, what life looks like when you walk in line with the Lord and what life looks like when you don't. And that's where you fall into when we get to chapter 24. Wow. Okay. See, that's that's what I need. That's as much person that she just gave me. Do kings? Do kings? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because you could actually tweet that. That could be a thread, yeah. and then it's like, well, hey, it's out there. We're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we could just each time reference. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we could just do Ephesians for a couple of years. Um, so in Second Samuel twenty four, we find out that David can count. Uh, he's he, he's he's running a census, so he's counting people, and God is angry about that. Is that? Is this is this what's happening? Like yeah. David counts people, and God's upset. What? Yeah, seems kind of strange. Yeah, um, it's not necessarily that because David counted, it's why he counted. Um, and so when we take a look at the text at the beginning of um, chapter twenty four, what we see is that David counted because he wanted to make a point of his own military strength. And so whether it was because of his own pride, he wanted to take pride in his own men, or he just didn't trust the Lord to protect him in his battles, what it see what it looks like is that the point of David counting, he was was in himself and not him trusting in God. And so okay. that's what displeased the Lord, not okay. just him. Because we see evidence of that in um, Exodus and numbers of um, their census being taken. Right. So it's the motivations, I think. So it's not, God is not against no. taking a census, but the purpose, the motive of David's heart 
is I need to number my troops. Exactly. I was thinking about this, like, I, I don't know where it's at, but, like, it could be in the Psalms, but, like, some trust in horses, some trust chariots in chariots. Chariots and horses. Yeah, mm-hmm. chariots and horses. So that idea of, like, David is rooting, the census is David's attempt to root the confidence of his rule in the might of his people. Right. Okay. So right. he's got bad motives. that connection yeah. before. That's a good connection. <laughs> I had a good insight about second. You did. Well done. That's my one for the year. But but like okay. So but seriously, why why is the author chosen? You talked about a collection of stories. Yeah. Why is the author chosen to include this one? There's a lot of stuff that happens. There's a lot of cool stories, and this one just kind of feels like it's the last chapter. And God and David's like, we're like okay. So David's counting people. Yeah. Why why did we care yeah. about this? I mean, I think. Chapter 24 falls on the end of a chiasm, Jen's favorite mm, word. Yeah. And so um, what you have is in chapter 21, we see something similar, which is Saul messed up and the nation of Israel had to pay for Saul's bad behavior. Okay. And so we see, you know, it goes from that to talking about military heroes and victories. And in the middle part, you have words of David. We go back to military victories. And at the very end, we have another story of somebody acting up and the nation of Israel having to pay. And so this thematic structure mirrors, um, mirrors different topics all to bring back of who God is and what it looks like to be in a relationship with him. And when you're not doing right, there's judgment. And when you are, there's blessing. So I think chapter 24 on its own seems like it's out of place. But in the but in the midst of this chiasm is actually part of the epilogue, part of the specific point that the author is trying to make for his readers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Epilogue. We called it an appendix in the previous mm-hmm. podcast we did on this. And we actually did a little quiz on who still had theirs. Do you have your appendix? In my... Your actual appendix. <laughs> Do you have it? Is that person too personal? I didn't know we were going to talk about. Do these you things. have your appendix? Yes, yes ma'am. No? Yes, okay. ma'am. Hey, I do too. Kyle does. To me and JC you. and I are appendix less. Really? Yes. Mm. But is that a common thing? One. People getting their appendix out. I like to not think it is you know, by election. I've always wondered why it seems like you and I both have a kindredness and yeah, are uniquely wise and talented. And it must be it's that, that. It's that, Kyle. That's got to be it. Yeah, there it is. Because I've always felt like we, out of the four of us, we we kind of stand out okay. in, in contrast with these two. I think our listeners agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was trying to move for a joke, and you just. Ceiling. You just put a ceiling on me. Um, okay, but and hold on. Doesn't God make David do this? Second Samuel 24, 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel and Judah. And then in verse 10, but day after he's done this, but David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people, and David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done, but now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. So what what has happened here? God has incited David for doing mm-hmm. to do this thing that he's then going to judge David for doing. Don't look at me. You taught this week. Hey, I just don't want to be the only one talking no, on the podcast. Go for it. No, I want you to be the only one talking on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Um, so I think it's this question of God using evil um, to accomplish his purposes. Um, if you look at First Chronicles, 21 1 it gives additional detail about what happened in this passage and it says then satan stood against israel and incited david to number israel and so what we have is similar to what we've seen in job or what we've seen in other books of the bible is that god using um 
in some sense, using Satan, using evil to accomplish his purposes. Did God make David make that choice? No. Um, but did he orchestrate the opportunity for that choice to be made because he wanted to enact judgment upon Israel? I think there's room for us to think that. Okay. Um, and so kind of this this tension that we have between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that God's in full control, but he still holds us responsible within those situations, which is an attention that for me is easy to resolve. Yeah. Well, and we spent a lot of time when we were doing the teaching throughout the semester on uh, this idea and how the way that God incites is simply by doing nothing. Yeah. And that he, he tends to drop out of the text and yeah. then people just go their own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to the voice of the serpent instead of the voice of the exactly. Lord. It's, it's the classic um, narrative line in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've taught, we, we did an episode on providence. I feel like, I don't remember when we did that, but we did, we've done an episode on providence. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about the nature of causality and how, how God does things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we gave some options. And I think, in, uh, like, I think First Chronicles 21.1 is a great depiction of God, what we might say, ordaining or purposing permitting, allowing, the, all that language is on the spectrum of, I think, faithfulness to what mm-hmm. scripture see, says of allowing or ordaining or purposing Satan to incite. Mm-hmm. Um, and that God's causality often doesn't work the same way. Well, it, it doesn't work the same way that we think about our causality. Mm-hmm. So like if somebody's interested more in like providence, there's, there's an episode about it and there's a ton of great resources that we mentioned on that episode to talk about um, how God uh, is good uh, and yet still... Yeah purposes, uses evil to accomplish a good purpose. I always think about, you know, this is often quoted, Genesis 50, right? Mm-hmm. What men meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like God does accomplish his yeah. purposes through evil. Well, um, okay, so so David does this yeah, and he's grieved by it because it's a grievous thing because the motives of his heart were bad, right? Yeah. Um, and then we get to the end, the very end, and David is building this altar mm-hmm. and he's what, offering sacrifices? What's... This is where it ends. It just, it, I gotta tell you, it just feels like an abrupt <laughs> ending. I mean, if, that doesn't feel like a good ending to you. No, I mean, if you just like, okay, so like if I just read, let <laughs> me just read a portion for you. If you're just listening and you don't know what happens, so it's like, um, so this is the end of Second Samuel. I'm just gonna read this because we've got the time. Uh, and it does feel abrupt. Uh, and Gad came that day to David and said to him, go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arna the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Arna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arna went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Arna said, why is my Lord the king come to his servant? And David said to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Arna said to David, let my Lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Arna gives to the king. And Arna said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Arna, no, I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings so that the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. We skipped over the, the Lord's judgment of David's sin, which involved the plague. Um, okay, so the last part of Second Samuel is an economic exchange. <laughs> it's a bar- we witnessed the bartering. It's like two guys at a flea market, <laughs> like being like, "Oh yeah, you know, you can you have it, you can have it." And he's like, "No, no, no, I gotta pay for it." And then it's like, I a sacrifice is offered. End of Second Samuel. 
And sing. Boop, drop the mic. I just don't understand. Or turn the page to first kiss. Is that how we're supposed to read it? Is that like... Is it like, okay, well, it's not really the end. It's just the end of this particular story, which is out, existing yeah. outside of the chronology. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, this isn't actually the, the last scene in in the book of Samuel. The last scene is where David is restored to the throne, and yeah. we hear the listing of his officers. Exactly. And then we have these four stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so we don't have to feel the pressure of, like, this being where the plane lands. No, I mean, I think us approaching the text... Um, through the eyes and intentions of the author. And so I think mm-hmm. for us in our Western culture and how we read stories, the ending always kind of has to, we have to have this resolve. And that wasn't the specific goal of the author with these with this epilogue. There was to create this, um, draw attention to the themes. It was to recap the book. Mm-hmm. It was to bring connection to the very beginning. So we see hints of, um, in chapters 21 through 24, hints of themes that are present in Hannah's song. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the author is trying to create these bookends on um, the book of Samuel and not give us this really sweet resolve at the end. Yeah. Because the story continues. If you want to pick up what happens after um, 1 Samuel 24, you turn to First Chronicles 21, and the story picks up from there. And if you want to know what happens at the end when we see David, um, David enthroned, um, then you pick up on First mm-hmm. Kings. Mm-hmm. And so it's, the story continues um, but the, I think trying to follow the goal of what the author was trying to accomplish specifically with these chapters. Do you ever get stuck wondering how to study a Bible passage? The Courage for Life Study Bibles for Women and the Courage for Life Study Bibles for Men have over 1,400 Bible studies. That's a Bible study on every page of Bible text. Access to the Filament Bible app lets you dive even deeper. If you download the app and you scan the page number, you can open up a world of resources, including over 25,000 additional study notes, hundreds of videos, and a full audio Bible. Start discovering at courageforlifebible.com. That's courageforlifebible.com for incredible study notes and an incredible study Bible. What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilius Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 10 Women Who Changed the World is Seminary President Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. Let me ask a practical question. I'm just a reader of the Bible, reading along. I've been told to read from left to right, to follow a story <laughs> as it goes. This Bible that's been put in front of me has these like defined chapters mm-hmm. and like then a big title page for the next book. Uh, what, how, how am I supposed to know when I got to the end of 2 Samuel 20? Oh, yeah, these last four chapters are not chronological. They're just an epilogue. They're cut scenes. Uh, from earlier on in David's life, and I should probably skip over to First Kings now, because that's what's going to pick up the story. How am I supposed to figure that out? Well, if you if you have a decent study Bible, you can usually pick up on that. But okay. another thing that you could think about doing is a chronological reading plan okay. um, that would help you orient yourself to the way that the stories flow. And um, yeah, 
would you say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> right, I or you could study Ephesians and then you wouldn't have. Oh, oh gosh. You know what? I, I have a sense that I'm going to deeply regret sharing that privileged information yeah. with you. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you're not going to get it on the first pass. Right. And then I think it's this expectation that I'm going to understand everything the first time I read something through Scripture. And what does it look like for me to dedicate myself to the study of it, the study of anything else that I would do in my own life, which means sometimes I'm using um, resources by people who've gone before me to be able to understand these things. And so I think it's the expectation of how can I just submit myself to reading of scripture, using different resources and know that I might get there, but it might take me time to realize, oh, these stories are out of order and these stories have a purpose um, outside of just telling um, something from the front to the end. So I think it's the things that Jen mentioned and just trying to listen to the voices that have gone before me and then just sit down and do the work to study scripture and give yourself grace. It's going to come in time. Well, and I'm asked often, what's the biggest misconception that people have about studying the Bible? Mm. And hands down, the biggest misconception they have is that it should be easy. Right. And so, uh, and there's really nothing of value that you've ever done that was easy. It got easier the more you did it. And this is an example of a study Mm -hmm. skill that we can begin to develop. Yeah. And I'm for it. Mm. Is there anything here in 2 Samuel 24 that the author is trying to show us the implications of God's redemptive plan of history? So, like, this plague comes, Mm -hmm. and David's David's given three options of mm-hmm. of God's judgment and he picks this last one which is pestilence and it says so the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time but then eventually it says that the Lord relented from calamity specifically mm-hmm. on Jerusalem and on David's house mm-hmm. why and I think in a simple way the Lord um, you see God is a God of judgment but he also sees a God of mercy mm-hmm. um, and so God relents um, I think it's interesting that David chooses to be judged by God and mm-hmm. not by man because he knows that God is merciful and many times exactly. man is not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the him relenting on the house of David specifically points back to me for the Davidic covenant, mm-hmm. um, for what God is planning to do through the house of David and ultimately through Christ for mm-hmm. us. Um, if you look at where David builds the altar, it's ultimately where Solomon will build the temple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that you have this beautiful um, kind of foreshadowing of what's to come and then the temple pointing towards ultimately what Christ has done for us and what we get to walk in through the new covenant. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So so one of the high points of the book that we've talked about so far was Second Samuel 7, right. the fact that God is going to build an eternal kingdom mm-hmm. and house through mm-hmm. David's son. Yeah. And so had this pestilence continued on Judah, on David's mm-hmm. house, it's oh, almost my. like this Abrahamic story that right. through this son, if, if you kill if you kill your son, Abraham, it, maybe God's promises aren't going to come true. Mm-hmm. Here at the end of 2 Samuel, you're seeing kind of the same thing. Yeah. If David's house is destroyed, salvation and the establishment of God's kingdom won't be possible. And the same thing happens at the end of 2 Kings 25 where God's people are in Babylon living in exile. And the last story is the story that where is God's king? Is David's line still alive? And second Kings 25 says he is, he's actually eating at the house of the king of Babylon, Mm -hmm. which shows us that even in the midst of exile or even in the midst of judgment or even in the midst of sacrifice, God's promises will hold fast. Well, and I do think like for us, we're like, great. It's a bartering match about a threshing floor. But right. to the original audience, they know this threshing floor. Like Elizabeth was, mm-hmm. was hinting at, uh, this, is the, this is where the temple is going to be constructed. Mm-hmm. So it's this highly significant site for them. And then when you think about even that 
ending scene um, relating back to the opening scene of 1 Samuel where um, the sons of Eli were practicing wickedness Mm. in the house of the Lord. And, And so I think what I think you could almost paraphrase this last portion of Second Samuel with the words, "Behold, I am making all things new." Mm. This is the this is the okay. seed to the story that will grow into the building of the temple. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> um, uh, and you said bad things about it, uh, and I want to say that you were playing devil's advocate for the sake of the audience, but that's being a little too gracious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love you, pal. I do. The I, Lord I sees you. I don't know what happened. The Lord like, sees you. We're going to get off air and I'm going to be like, did I do something? Did you make some kind of bug joke? I must have. I must have. Uh, well, um, okay. In conclusion, because uh, I feel like I need to wrap this up before I get burned. Hey, can, anymore. I, can I ask a question real quick? No. Uh, I'm going to ask this. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's our relationship Please in a do. nutshell. Uh, you guys spent a lot of time yeah. in this mm-hmm. book. Uh, as you walked away, not just as teachers, but as disciples of Christ. And if, Was this what you were going to ask? This is what I was going to ask. And just lovers of God's word and mm-hmm. wanting to, as you just said well, to, to grow, not just through one reading, mm-hmm. but through many readings of the text mm-hmm. as God continues to reveal things to us. What were some personal, like maybe the top one or two personal takeaways that you're taking away just for your walk with Christ? I think for me, one is the power of sin mm-hmm. and how sin does not just impact you it impacts the people around you. I think a lot of times we like to hide with our own sin and think that it's just me in, in the closet doing whatever. And it's like, no, your sin affects the people you're in community with. Mm-hmm. And we see that in a really painful way through, um, Second Samuel specifically. Um, and then to me, I think it's the power of repentance mm-hmm. that the difference between David and Saul wasn't that one was any holier mm-hmm. than the other. It was how they responded to the acknowledgement of sin in their own life mm-hmm. and the power of repentance and confession and how our God is really gracious to bring us back into fellowship with him um, and the necessity for us to do that. It just sin can just creep up. And we think that we got a hold of it and we don't, but Mm. God is gracious and chastises the children that he loves Mm -hmm. and did that with David and he does that with us. So I think it's the power of sin and the necessity for repentance and confession. That's really good. Yeah. And I think too, just it's a, it's a, you see the sovereignty of God throughout. Obviously that's a big theme in the book that the Lord advances his purposes either Mm -hmm. because of, or in spite of um, our acts or our thoughts or our, you know, motives. And, and so that's a, that was a big one, which is a, a great reassurance mm-hmm. in the day of our sinfulness, you yeah. know, that the Lord will continue <laughs> to do his work, um, that we can't, we can't derail his plans. Um, and then I think the, just the interplay between pride and humility mm-hmm. all the way through the book, like yeah. no one escapes that diagnostic mm-hmm. tool in mm-hmm. this book, even though we would all say David prefigures Christ and we should be careful that we don't draw lessons from mm-hmm. David prefiguring Christ that are not appropriate. We also have to ask the question, but as we are conformed to the image of Christ, how should we mm-hmm. look to this example and mm-hmm. take from what we can? Okay. And, and so just learning when David operates from a place of humility, the Lord acts through him. When David mm-hmm. operates from a place of pride, the Lord acts against him and in spite of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that those are sobering words. And, and it, but I will say, like Elizabeth was was pointing out, I think um, the idea that we can measure in advance the effects of our sin mm-hmm. is shown to be false, mm-hmm. because David would not have done what he had mm-hmm. done 
had he accurately measured the cost. And what God is telling us again and again through this story and through the rest of the Bible is, I know exactly Mm. how much it costs. And the reason I would even say that the reason that Christ, the sinless son of David, does not follow in the footsteps of his father, David, is because he is accurately able to count the cost of any Mm. and every sin. Uh, In fact, he will carry the cost Mm. of any and every sin. So uh, those were some significant pieces for me. And then just the repeated uh, images that were either giving us a positive hint of the work of Christ or um, or the sort of the opposite. Like I especially remember Absalom hanging between heaven and earth mm. was just such a powerful image for yeah. me and, and all of those those pieces of it. And then the moments where you see David looking like Christ in mm. ways that you can say, the Lord is so faithful. Yeah. Mm. Well, I want to thank you uh, because you were long suffering with JT and I. Uh, and, but, but seriously, you taught us First and Second Samuel, right? Absolutely. Well, somebody had to. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, wow. I, 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 no. Now I'm, no, now I'm gonna. Now I'm gonna just let you know. Both of us were very thankful to be yes. done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's comforting to hear. Since you just beat me yeah. to death. Well, I really do. Um. And we even. I told the women. We told the women. It's like um, every time we get into one of these Old Testament books, we start with all this optimism, and we end just like dragging out the door, man. And and I think that uh, it, this again is is a is an educational piece for us in terms of coming to the scriptures without our own agendas, yeah. because I think that studies like this, you don't walk away week 11 or week 22 Mm -hmm. of one of these studies and go, man, I'm so glad I did that. But maybe six months later or two years later, you're able Mm -hmm. to count the value of what you've done. And so this is, I mean, I've talked about this elsewhere. This is the savings account mentality Mm -hmm. around the scriptures is that rather than saying, hey, Jen and Liz, can you show up on the last day and do a Q&A that's going to put a neat little bow on things? (laughs) Instead, you get us going, I don't know, guys, he killed a lot of people and I can't resolve it for you, you know, and, and, and then you get to live in it and let the fruit of it come to bear when the Lord is ready for it too. You guys are too modest to tell your own kind of victory stories in the midst of the Bible studies too, but I do want to just publicly celebrate what God has done at TVC through the men's and women's Bible studies, not just at our campus in Flower Mound, but at, at all of our campuses. I mean, I just never want to miss the fact that we have roughly I don't know, 1,500, 1,600 mm-hmm. women and several hundred men mm-hmm. across all of our campuses mm-hmm. gathering weekly to spend time in God's word. So if you're listening to this and maybe you're a church leader or perhaps you're just a church member, I just want to remind you that we are continually learning the lesson at TVC and in the Institute in particular that there's no supplement or substitute mm-hmm. for studying God's word in the context of community. There's just nothing that you can do to grow your affections for Christ, to grow your understanding of God's story and your participation in that story than just spending time with the savings account mentality of making deposits into God's word regularly so that you would reap the benefits of growing into the image of Christ. And you, the two of you, all of our teachers across our campuses, you've heard from Taryn and Jamin mm-hmm. and others. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if they're going to hear this or not, but I just want to celebrate what God has done. It's been, it's been really, really beautiful how you guys have built these studies. Yeah, It has been so fun to hear, like yeah. even just having Jamin and Taryn and others on the podcast or, or circling up, like there's all of these exchanges that happen between mm-hmm. the teachers, either the week that we're teaching or the week after we're teaching. And there's this, oh my gosh, you saw this too, or oh, I, I didn't see that. Yeah. That's fantastic. And just this share 
spirited movement forward. And I do think one of the things that we're learning just over and over again, I mean, we're at Matt Chandler's church. So mm-hmm. people assume that the reason that something would work or not work has to do with some secret sauce mm-hmm. of some um, really special teaching gift. And what, what we see again and again, particularly in these Bible study environments is faithfully showing up week after week yep. and, and teaching the text. You don't have to package it or make it palatable or even give them three neat takeaways at the end of each week. Just give them access to the scriptures and and admit when you don't understand something, celebrate when we do and trust the Lord that his word is powerful. And, and, you know, as we've talked about uh, elsewhere, living and active in a way that is supernatural. We were, I was uh, talking to my boss, Brian Miller, who's the men's teacher for the men's yeah. study here in mm-hmm. Flower And he was recounting a story that is just a good reminder of why we do this. He was he was walking through Costco a few days ago mm-hmm. and he ran into a guy who he had recognized from the men's study, but I don't think he knew him. And the guy was recounting a story and had just not spent a lot of time uh, in church, just was kind of hesitant to perhaps engage in community, was afraid of being found out as an imposter for not knowing things that he should know or not knowing as much of the Bible that he should. And he just said, the the men's study on Second Samuel has changed my life. Wow. I feel like a different person mm-hmm. at the end of the semester than I do at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I feel like I know God better. I feel like I know Christ better and what he's accomplished on my behalf. And, he, and then he asked, and this shows sometimes how different a student's mentality can be from the teachers. He said, what's next? <laughs> right? Like, I realize sometimes as teachers, like, we're ending the training program so today. Cool. It's like, it's so good to be done. But sometimes mm-hmm. students are like, I'm ready for more. Yeah. And so Brian got to tell him, we're going to be in Acts next year. Welcome back. We'll see you in the fall. You know what? Nathan Campbell, actually, I got to sit in on the last day of the men's Bible study. And it was so fun. They did like a pancake breakfast. It was hysterical. <laughs> it was so not the way the women organize things. <laughs> And yet so fantastic in its own right. But Nathan stood up to do the conclusion and um, we had talked all the way through and you've heard us talk about it on the podcast about how Samuel rants at the people early on and says, you want a king, you know what a king will do? He will take, he will take, he will Mm -hmm. take, he will take. And then we showed how Saul took and took and took and took. And then David comes and we think surely he will not do the same. And yet he too takes and takes and takes and takes. And Nathan concluded the whole semester by Mm -hmm. saying, David is a king who takes and takes and takes. And Christ is a king Mm. who gives and Mm. gives and gives. And I thought, okay, that's 22 weeks really well spent. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. What a gift that y'all are, that our teachers are, that the Bible studies are, to the life of this church. We celebrate you guys. It's awesome. For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. On our next episode, we're going to be chatting about culture, theology, and catechism with our friend, Dr. Ligon Duncan. See you next time. Grace and peace.